This is Beyond a Reasonable Doubt with your hosts, Mark Garrigus and Gary Smith. Well, happy Easter on the uh, at the altar of Bard on the special day uh, for rebirth and uh, renewal. Gary, how are you? I'm well, Mark. How are you? Thank you very much. Happy Easter to you as well. Happy end of Lent. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I uh, uh, Since we jump-started two days early in the Armenian Church, I jump-started the breaking two days early. So it's, Yes, yes, it's uh, well worth it. Um, have you done an Easter egg hunt? Uh, you know, we've we found an Easter egg basket, and uh, the hunt is is yet to come. I think we probably have two, uh, maybe two and a half hunts today uh, around the various households we'll be going to. I love it. And what is in the Easter eggs? What's the what is the the? It's been so many years since I've done an Easter egg hunt. Tell me what's inside the eggs at this point. Well, at this point, uh, it's still sort of we're, we're we try to stay a little bit traditional. So candy, mostly, you know, uh, a few little toys, a a Hot Wheels monster truck in one of the more exotic eggs, maybe. But uh, we try to stick to Starbucks, Starbursts, and and Crunch Bars and stuff like that. And I'm sure once we get to the grandparents' house, it'll be a different story. But around here, we uh, we try to keep it to what we remember from our childhood. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, we're still, uh, I know that the last episode we had just uh, seen the indictment yeah. of President Trump. Uh, what has happened since then, I suppose, has been a lot of talk about that indictment. And in the last day or so, there's been talk about the potential Georgia indictment as well, you know, That where at least 20 people, I, I don't think this is news, although it's being reported as breaking news because uh previously when the four person was doing her tour uh it was indicated or it was being reported at that point that the there were various or numerous people who were being uh informed that they were a target and so people understand the differences with the nomenclature when you have a grand jury and you have an investigation you're issuing subpoenas um, there are various levels. One is a witness. A witness generally you do not have, uh, if the prosecutor represents it as a witness, you don't have a, um, uh, you're basically assured that you don't have anything to worry about. I always laugh about that, but because you can quickly graduate from a witness to a subject and the subject is somebody who's basically you're involved more than a witness, but you haven't um, subjected yourself or been targeted. And that is the, uh, you could graduate to that, which is to be a target of the grand jury. Once you're a target of the grand jury in most jurisdictions, federal and state, you, uh, have the prosecutor has the duty to inform you that you are a target. You generally should have lawyered up already. And then there are various moves that have to be made and. Some of those moves are if you're a target, you're invited into the grand jury, a la what happened with Trump in New York, where exactly. he declined to go in, declined. And by the way, when you go in, uh, depending on the jurisdiction, there are various other machinations that go on, whether you invoke the fifth, whether you get immunity, whether or not you can have your lawyer sitting next to you, things of that nature. That varies in right. the criminal Karen told us in New York that you're allowed to have your lawyer there. They're just not allowed to speak, right? Correct, which is mind-boggling to me, but uh, they do a lot more 
indictments on the state side uh, than we do in California or in other jurisdictions. The federal, they uh, not only do they not let the lawyer in, but oftentimes you're not even you don't even know when the grand jury is indicted. Interestingly, there's also been this week a lot of talk about the judge because the judge is a contributor to the Biden campaign. I believe his daughter has uh, it's been identified by, and when I say contributor, it's not a huge contribution, but it was, he's a contributor nonetheless, I believe $15 what is being reported. His daughter actually has a connection. There's been a lot of people that have been uh, lambasting Trump and his team for bringing that up as an attack on the judge or an attack on the judge's family. I'm not talking about how they frame it, but it it would be malpractice for the lawyers or the law team that's defending him to not raise those issues. How in the world are you, if you're defending someone who's accused based on a case that most legal experts that I have seen, and I had mentioned to you, I was talking to um, several former federal retired former former judges who also, and actually a state court judge just yesterday, um, who agree with the assessment that I have that this is a legally not only a stretch, but that the whole theory of the statute of limitations that the prosecutor has is is unbelievable. I mean, you have to assert or believe or the prosecution is going to have to prove they didn't know where he was during the time period because clearly the statute, at least on its face, is run unless you're going to invoke COVID emergency tolling provisions. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you, I agree the the amount of the contribution is definitely low and, and seems like it wouldn't be a big deal, but you know, the connect, you know, his daughter, I believe volunteered and was working for the campaign at one point. So yeah, if you're a, a defense attorney or, or, you know, an attorney representing a client, I, that probably needs to come up. Well, not only needs to come up, but you, it's, it goes to the how people always talk about whether it's an actual bias and the law makes a distinction or the appearance. And this is clearly the appearance. And you've got somebody who's already the announced candidate for one party. You've got somebody who is clearly the front runner for that party. You've got him contributing to the opponent and it's somebody who's appearing in front of him and uh, you combine that with the fact that he's got a close family member. Mind you, I'm not bringing up things that aren't in the law. The law has for judicial recusals and for the judicial canons of ethics, it talks about what is a family member for purposes of recusal or appearance of bias or or actual bias. Those are all things that are fair game, that are that are part of judicial canon of ethics and can be brought up. Right? That doesn't mean you threaten the people, doesn't mean you um, uh, do anything else, but you know, it is not off limits um, legally to talk about these things. Right. So how do you see, uh, let's just stick with the one that's you know actually gotten there so far, which is New York. 
how do you see the next you know six to to twelve months playing out? Because I've heard pundits opining that this is not going to see a courtroom anytime in some cases for several years. I don't see how this goes before primary season. Right. I just don't see there the challenges to jurisdiction, the challenge to and jurisdiction in terms of the statute of limitations, whether or not in fact it's a felony, whether or not. They have to, you know, one of the first things they're going to do, because it's a grand jury indictment, you have the ability to demand what's called a bill of particulars. It's the uh, ancient uh, 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 theory that you can't just indict somebody and not tell them what the charges are. That was part of what formed the basis for the Constitution of the Republic. And so... The bill of particulars is to demand that the prosecutor tell you exactly, basically, what's up. And the first thing that they're going to focus on is what is the other crime that elevates these kind of ministerial misdemeanors to a felony? How is it that you are going to uh, uh, charge 34 counts, felony counts, if you do not identify what the crime is? People have said, well, that's it's a very um they, he can do it later he can do it at some uh he can keep his options open heaving the prosecutor no you can't do that you don't you don't get to you don't get to indict somebody go to trial without having to define what it is you are you're going to you're charged with number one and what your defense is and why do i say that well it's already been speculated it's a number of things is it the federal election? Well, if that's what they're relying on, then there is a, a full frontal assault that is going to be done in the defense talking about the fact that a state prosecutor does not have the ability to enforce federal election laws. So then you say, well, okay, it's not a federal election law. Okay, so I've ticked that off, so I don't have to worry about that. It's a state election law. Well, it's a state election law that governs a federal election. Is that an issue? That would be the next portion. So tell me if that's it. Then if you say, well, the state election law for the federal does not apply, uh, then I'm going to get them on tax. Well, okay, then tell me what the tax count is. Because the, the, to the best of my understanding, even though they kept it, the records of the payment internally as a legal expense, I'm told, and this would be very interesting, that they did not deduct it on the tax return. So where is the tax violation? So then you say, well, this was hiding it from the taxing authorities, hiding it from the, you know, how that, that if that is the issue, you've got a major problem. Hiding something from the taxing authorities is not a crime unless there's an intent. You got to have the intent to defraud. If you're not deducting the payment, then that's a major problem. So uh, that's just kind of leading you through the the very first. Then you're going to get an assault in, on the the statute of limitations because uh, you know arguably we're talking seven years old. The statute would have been blown. Are they going to say that no, the statute isn't blown because there was a COVID when the COVID emergencies happened? Basically, for the you you heard this a zillion times with me and Adam. 
we basically suspended the writ of habeas corpus. So uh, for the first time in right. so many years. And so while doing that, uh, the suspension of the writ of habeas corpus comes with it. Part of the accoutrement, if you will, will are the sta- is the statute of limitations, which I still think was, you know, there's no way that that should have uh, been ruled acceptable because it has obliterated the idea of an emergency and basically it obliterated the idea of statute of limitations, but they're going to challenge on that basis. Yeah. You know, I was chuckling there because it's, you sound a lot like the channels that I, I I assume you're not a fan of. It's, you know, the defense attorney part is coming out in you and you're breaking this down in a way that, you know, they're just, there is a lot of different turns and twists where this seems to unravel if you think about it logically and, and I do. And by the way, I do sound like the channels that uh, I do not channel. Yeah. Unattended. And the reason for that, and I've said it for um, you've heard me pontificate about it. Is something has happened in this world during my career where we went from the the being a a good liberal democrat and that portion of the party challenged authority challenged law enforcement challenged the idea of the of government overreach and had a distrust for government to we have now come full circle where now the the liberal democratic wing and we embrace um law enforcement we embrace having uh the uh the the idea that you don't challenge authority it's uh, it's kind of a wild uh, pendulum swing yeah it, it absolutely is and it's just uh it's uh, it's not humorous but it's uh it's well it's if you don't if if you don't have a sense of humor about it it'll drive you crazy there you uh, go that's that's very fair it's not humorous but if you can't laugh at it then you're gonna go absolutely out of your mind bonkers and anyway on tuesday i've got a lot more to say but it's easter i'll let everybody go happy easter and happy easter you gary and enjoy uh the little one today it's fantastic thank you very much mark you enjoy your granddaughter as well and uh, enjoy your easter egg hunt thanks for the time on easter and we'll see you on tuesday thank you bye-bye bye-bye Thanks for listening to Reasonable Doubt. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash reasonable doubt podcast.